Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Friday. First of yesterday's news, I and Glenn ZB, we're looking back at Thursday. Uh, and uh, we've been dis- discussing MP security this week uh, in the wake of uh, the Lamington, which I still haven't quite gotten to the bottom of whether it was or wasn't thrown. But it certainly was threatened to be thrown, I think. Uh, uh, nepotism. Uh, when is it all right to hire uh, friends and family and when isn't it? Uh, who stole all the eels? And a little avatar rant from Marcus. But before any of that, is Putin going to blow up the entire world now? There's a pop star who is apparently arguably Russia's most famous woman who has now publicly denounced his war. Uh, pro-war Russian bloggers are turning on Putin because they are upset about the fact that the military is losing. China, which is his number one international ally, has raised concerns about the war with him. India, which is one of Russia's international friends, has publicly told Putin off for the war. He's driven Finland and Sweden into the arms of NATO. His troops are demoralized and quitting. Now, the fact that he's drawing in those 300,000 reservists is freaking out the Russians so much that flights out of the country are sold out. So that's going to tell you how popular this is. Things are looking so grim for Putin now that more and more analysts are predicting that if this if this war goes badly for him, which, you know, there's a very good chance it will, that this will mean the end of his career. It's bad for Putin, right? But none of us actually know how this is going to end. There's always the chance that the West freaks out at his threat to fire nuclear weapons, so they force Ukraine to strike peace with Putin and just give up those eastern regions, which would allow Putin at least to pretend that he didn't lose badly. Or alternatively, the West could hold the line with the Ukrainians and give Putin the spanking that he really doesn't want. But then if that happens, who knows what he does? Does he fire the nukes or does he get taken out in a military coup? Honestly, with options like that, firing the nukes or getting taken out in a military coup, no wonder he's panicking. Yeah, I mean, if you ever think that you're in a high pressure job, it puts a bit of perspective on it, doesn't it? Here I am making fake radio shows that nobody listens to, except you, obviously. Thanks for that. Um, now, uh, back here in New Zealand's uh, Lamington Gate, it's it's a bit clumsy, isn't it? We can't call it Lamington Gate. But anyway, uh, yeah, the the old Lamington Toss has raised security concerns for MPs. Are we are we that concerned? Are they that, that concerned? Should they be concerned? Then there's Rotorua's Tamati Coffee. Now, he says he's had his car scratched. He said he had to take his name and Labour branding off the car. Now, being in Rotorua, a city absolutely wrecked by this government, flooded with emergency housing, gangs and reprobates, are we surprised, really, that a Labour-branded car gets scratched? That's probably the least of the offences taking place in Rotorua right now, to be honest. And then we learned yesterday that Rotorua tourism operators are so fed up, and fair enough, that they've now called on the government to... Actually, fix the mess it's created, the damage it's done to brand Rotorua. Robertson dismissed it yesterday. He said the government's already invested a lot of money in it, uh, that tourism's still busy for the city, and that the government's done a lot to support the area. Well, not so, argue the tourism operators who say the damage is long term, and the government's actually been far too slow in its efforts to fix it. Now, the complaints from these operators and hospitality venues, they're not new. They've been coming a long, long time, just like the complaints from, you know, CBDs and suburban dairies and liquor stores and jewellery shops and all the malls and the shopping precincts around the country that are being increasingly targeted these days. So it's a bit rich, I think, for government ministers 
to, you know, dip their toes out of their cosy beehive bubble and experience a bit of how feral it is out here in the real world at the moment and then complain that they may not be able to do their walkabouts. Cafes and shops have closed. People have been run out of their businesses and livelihoods. Thugs rule the roost because we have a societal problem with lack of consequences and a fundamental lack of respect. This is the New Zealand that's been created over the past few years. The real problem is the degradation of our society, our streets, our cities, our suburbs, our schools. And to just gaslight us and say it's us who need to behave better in order to have politicians to continue to walk amongst us is to completely miss the point. I thought the the advent of the metaverse and um, online deliveries and working from home and all that stuff meant that we, we didn't have to go outside onto the streets anymore. I thought we were over that, leaving the house. What's the issue? Um, now, we're, we're going to keep it with um, MPs and political weirdness uh, with this uh, Mahuta thing that keeps bubbling along. Too many Mahutas. How, how many Mahutas is too many Mahutas? Or is it the more Mahutas, the merrier? I'm talking nepotism, if you're wondering what I'm on about. There's probably a million other people who could do it as well, but you don't have their numbers, you don't have their track record. You're pushed for time, so you're lazy. Anybody know who can we, we can get to do this bloody Te Ao Māori viewpoint? Yes, Gannon Ormsby's very good. He did it for the Department of Conservation. So you go, all right. Gannon, you're free next Thursday at 12 to do a bit of consultation. Matter of fact, I am. In your sweep, you get the contract. So could the government departments have handled it better? Possibly. And that's what Peter Hughes will find out. But, you know, I really wanted to be outraged. But on this one, the outrage factor is pretty minimal. It's happened before. It's happened to other politicians from other parties whose family members have been employed to do jobs for the huge government bureaucracy. And it will no doubt happen again. It's hard, isn't it? Because, I mean, we all know each other in New Zealand. And many of us are related. You can't deny it. Um, so that makes it tricky. Uh, right. Uh, now, we've got... what? What is the deal with the eel situation? Just look this up again. We've got a bunch of stolen eels. How many eels are we are we talking about? Uh, several hundred eels on the west coast have been stolen. Why? Does it look to you like they've been nicked? Uh, yeah, yeah. This is this is a real problem. I've seen it happen in a few other places where, you know, people um, and and it, I don't want to say where I am because there's this place nearby where. Um, we feed the eels and there's a heap of them that turn up and they're just beautiful and, and the kids fall in love with them. And then then that makes them really, really easy to catch. So if someone comes along with a fike net, a commercial eeler might hear about it and then know that they can come and fill their nets. We know that one, you know, when, it, when they put their normal three or four fike nets in, that they can take out 90% of the eel population, the local eel population in one night. And especially when they're all trained up to be fed like that, all you have to do is put some food in a net and you'll catch all of them or nearly all of them. So it's a real... But Mike, but, but these risk. are long, they're long fin eels. That, yeah, nobody the buys them anymore. See, 
in the photo were long fins. But so, yeah, commercial eelers can catch long fins and sell them. It's it's the craziest situation ever that we have these are these are endangered species. They're on the threatened species list as listed as at risk found nowhere else in the world and our lovely Ministry of Primary Industries manages a commercial fishery where we export them. Yeah, a lot of um, interesting points there. Is it the craziest situation ever? Quite crazy I suppose. Uh, Also, do people really fall in love with eels? It's another so, more questions than answers is off the back of that really. I think Marcus has got a few questions about Avatar. Let's hear what those are. By the way, I didn't realise that Avatar had actually started. Is that the same one or is that the original? Because it just says Avatar, Dan. Is that the sequel or the original? Oh, so they've re-released the original. Have they gussied it up? Might be extra footage. No one really knows. But gee, why would you watch it again? It was fine to watch it the first time. You felt it was an immersive experience. But it was just so forgettable. If you compare that to the original Star Wars, Episode 4, there were so many memorable characters and costumes and scenes and lines. With that one, with Avatar, there was nothing. There's nothing that's happened. It hasn't even entered the the, the common conscience. Mm, yeah, I think I'm going to have to completely disagree with everything that Mark has just said. Um, and obviously they've they've re-released the original because the new one is going to be coming out at the end of the year. And there'll be a lot of people who perhaps never seen the original. Certainly haven't seen it at the movies and might like to because it was amazing. Anyway... Uh, that's that's the great thing about life, isn't it? We all like to watch different things. Is that the great thing about life? Hey, thanks for listening to this different thing, and I'll be back with more different things. Not on Monday, because it's um, it's a weird holiday on Monday that we weren't expecting. Surprise holiday. Uh, so I'll be back for surprise long weekend edition on Tuesday. See you then.